As most of you know, we've been in California. Uh, this last week we got back, uh, we were supposed to come back Tuesday night, uh, but they said no, <laughs> you can't go back yet. So we had to postpone until Thursday night. We got back very late Thursday night. But, uh, you know, Paula's sister passed away, and, and uh, we, we kind of want to share. I want to share this most important thing about life beyond this life. And really, that's kind of what I want to talk about today because it's something we all face. And um, it's very, very real. I also want to uh, say that um, Jess's grandmother, who we've been praying for, passed away last night. And so you can uh, give her, she's in the Sunday school, but you can give her your condolences. So I've asked my wife to come up and uh, kind of share what happened uh, in those last uh, days. Uh, really, we've been talking about it for a long time, but what happened in those last days, I think is pretty remarkable. And so uh, I've asked her to come and share about that. So come on up. She's a lot shorter than me. Let's see, this should be about right. <clears throat> I want to thank you guys that we're all praying because there was not a moment that I was there that I didn't know that, that I was divinely appointed that I was there. Um... My sister and I had this kind of uh, funny relationship. I didn't see her, but maybe once a year, you know, for certain. But this year I've seen her a lot. I've been home quite a few times in the last year. But um, our, our relationship was just at a spiritual level. It was like we just, that was my role in her life. <clears throat> I knew that. She knew that. We all knew that. We all, I have three, I have three sisters. Um, she, this was my role in her life. Every, we all, every, it was just like that. We all had a different role in her life, but that was mine. And so in going there, um, before I left, I, I could have left sooner, but I felt like God was really telling me that I needed to store up within myself his comfort, that I needed to be prepared for what I was going to walk into. You see, because my sister, I don't know if she's, there she is. Um, those are my three sisters. And my sister had had rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years. Severe, severe, severe. Obviously, you can see that she's very twisted. Her frame was very twisted. Um, her body was racked with all kinds of conditions, problems that were as a result of that. But one of the things was that her body, you can't really see there, but she was covered with sores, really awful sores, um, to the point that they had gone through and her bones were exposed and um, sticking out and um, really, really bad. So when I changed my, when they called me to tell me that they felt like something was going on but they weren't sure what, and I made the decision to leave, when Terry found out I was coming, she said to my mom, uh, I can't be excited that she's coming this time. And she had been before that. She was very excited I was coming. But Terry had a tremendous amount of fear. Fear and anxiety controlled every decision that Terry made in her life. And it 
it was that was probably the most horrible part of her her life. It was just it was just tremendous. And so when she knew I was coming, she knew what that meant. And so when I first got there, I walked in the house and she saw me and um, I kissed her and she said, I'm not doing very well. You and I need to talk, but not now. And so I said, that's okay. We can talk tomorrow. But by the next morning, she, she still wasn't ready to talk. And by that afternoon, she still had, we still hadn't talked, but what happened was is she realized she was dying. And when she realized she was dying, she just completely freaked out, totally, completely just freaked out, started screaming and yelling, just completely freaked out. But yeah, I was there for that. And I just grabbed her, and I was just said to her, you know what, Terry, you are dying. You are dying. Richard always says to, to me, you know, when we talk about that, he always says, well, we're all dying. <laughs> but I said, no, Terry, you are dying. This is time. And I knelt down beside her, and I just started praying for her, and I just prayed and prayed and prayed, and she was pleading with Jesus to take her, but it wasn't time yet. So as that day we called, you know, I got my, we got the family together again, and everyone came and said their goodbyes. But during this whole process, as Terry is just disintegrating, 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 you see, she had been on methadone, but it got to where she couldn't swallow anymore, so we couldn't give her the methadone anymore. So as the methadone was waning, her pain was increasing, and she had been up to the day I got there refusing morphine. So we were trying to like switch her over. She needed the morphine every hour and a half. Her pain was just like so much. She had, uh, you know, this whole leg from here down was black. She had so many things wrong with her, but she fought death and she because she was afraid of dying, but yet knew she was going to heaven, but yet still feared death. She feared death tremendously. As I was praying with her, she said, okay, Paula, come on, let's go. Let's hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Because she felt like I was going to usher her into death. Well, I don't, I don't have that power, but she believed that, that I could lead her there. And um, she kept saying, hurry up. Whenever she said, hurry up, hurry up, that meant she was really afraid. And we had to do this thing as fast as we could because she was too scared to do it by herself. So we had to hurry. But we couldn't hurry her death because it wasn't time yet. So... <clears throat> As time was, as the days were passing and things were happening, the family watching her just struggling and, you know, went on for three, three more days. Um, they wanted to do something to make it quicker, you know, when really it was the family who was suffering. Terry wasn't suffering as much. Terry had lived in pain for so long that it was normal to her. But they wanted to do something. They wanted to make this thing happen. And um, that morning I had gotten up and I was reading my devotional and it just was about going through sorrow and storms. And one phrase that stuck out was, you can't knock down a tree that God planted. In the midst of a storm, if God planted that tree, we can't knock it down. So they kept talking to me about how we could do this. How are we going to make this go quicker? How can we make this happen? Let's talk to hospice. Let's do this. Let's do this. And I kept saying to them, we can't knock down a tree that God planted. And I was irritating them so much. I was making them so mad. 
We cannot knock down a tree that God planted. It was just like my mantra. It was just saying over and over again, we can't knock down a tree that God planted. We don't hold the power of life and death in our hands. It's not up to us. God has a purpose in everything, even in this very every minute of what's going on here. So they continued, you know, talking, talking, all this stuff is going on. And I'm sitting outside with my sister and she's like, this is like ridiculous. Like she's, we keep telling her, you know, Terry, go to the light, go to the light. And, and she said, but the light's not there. And I said, how do you know? How do you know the light's not there? And it was just like this, it's just like something just fell on me and, and just out popped in my mouth. This is the day that the Lord has made. I mean, I didn't, wasn't like, it just popped out. This is the day that the Lord has made. And she said something, you know, she had some remark back to me about that. And I said, no, this is the day the Lord has made. But I didn't know at that point, but I just knew that suddenly just, there was just, I had this tremendous peace. And I knew that they were going to, I knew that whatever they did, it didn't matter what they did, that I was just not supposed to get in the way of anything and just, but that God was going to show himself. He was going to reveal himself in this place. And so they had, you know, she had these giant swords that if we had pulled the bandages off, she would have bled out. Um, That was reality. Um, They could have given her extra morphine. And they talked about all of these things. I mean, because they wanted to save her. I mean, obviously, if you could realize, if you saw what she looked like and how she, what she was going through, you just want to save her. You want it to end because it was so bad. Um, death, you know, it. one of the things that I love so much about what we do is being able to be with people when they pass. Because death can be bittersweet. There's that bitterness of death and there's a sweetness of death. For, but when you're a Christian, you can understand that when you're not a Christian, you can't. But the bitterness, the stench of death, it smelled so bad in this house that we had to have all the windows and doors open and the fans blowing out because it was just so overwhelming. And death was just suffocating them. But yet within me was this like growing this confidence, this God confidence that he was going to do something. And I could never really, like, it was just like blowing my mind because I was so at peace. There was such a, a, a peace in me. And so they, you know, did all these things. and But, yeah, I knew that nothing was going to happen. Nothing. You know, my sister was sitting over my sister, breathing for her and doing all, you know, all these crazy things were going on. I called him up, and I said, yeah, I don't know, but you just better pray that this one gets off of her so that I can get over there to her. So finally, all this stuff ends, and I get to my sister, and uh, I sit down. I climb up in the bed with her, and uh, I'm talking to her, and... Her husband, you know, I had a Bible that had been open there all day long, and I had it open to Psalm 27, and I was had all these verses that just had come to me that I was going to read to her, and it was really about fear. It wasn't about passing into, it wasn't about salvation because I knew Terry was saved. We'd already had that conversation. Um, I knew that she wanted to go to heaven, but her fear was so overwhelming that it was like I think it was keeping her. Um, so I sat down with her, and I read all these different different verses to her, Psalm 27, Psalm 23, um, Psalm 21. But, and then I was, as I was reading them to her, I was explaining them to her. 
I was, it was like we were sitting there doing a little Bible study. And I was explaining to them to her. And the last verses I read to her were Psalm 16, 5 through 11. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And that was something that Terry and I understood because she had told me at one point, I will never blame God for this, Paula. I could never blame him. He has been so good to me. I mean, and her suffering was extreme. I will never blame him. I could never hold blame to him because I feel like my life has had a purpose and a meaning and that it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact people. I believe that. No matter how bad it is, I will never blame him. So that was something that we understood, that she knew that he had put boundaries in her life. They weren't pleasant in some ways, but she recognized them as God's boundaries. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because he will not abandon me to the grave. Nor will, it, will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And so we, we started to talk about all of that. Now, she was, so, she was such a little skeleton that when Terry was uh, in the bed, um, you, her, your aorta is right here. And it was beating that you could see her heart beat from across the room. That's how thin she was. She just you could literally watch her heart beating from across the room. And so whenever we would sit with her, we always had our hand sort of made us a connection to her. So we would always sit with our hand right there. So as I was reading to her, you see in the picture, she's like this, but that's because she was locked like this. She never Terry couldn't lift her head at all. And if you moved her head, you had to do it and you and there wasn't much rooms and it was always painful for her so she was locked like this she couldn't move at all so as I you know I'm reading to her and I and I just put my hands on her and I began to pray and I just asked that God would just reveal his presence to her and that he would take her fear and her anxiety and that um, he would send his angels to minister to her and that just just praying just you know praying and praying for her and as I'm praying for her she literally lifted her head, which was actually impossible. Her body was so contorted and so stretched that the scar that used to be on the back of her neck was on the front. That's how twisted it was. So this was not, a, this was not, she couldn't do this. So she literally lifted her head, and it like took me by like such surprise that at first I thought, oh, she's just trying to hear me better. So I got closer to her, but then she looked up, and she was just looking up, and I just saw this like flash of recognition, and she opened her eyes. And I saw this flash of recognition on her face, and then she just jutted her little chin forward as in response to something. And as she did, just in that instant, her heart stopped beating, and she was gone and in the presence of the Lord. But the thing about it was, across the room, my sister and my niece were sitting, and they were 
watching me and they were talking about this and when behind me, you know, across the room, they're saying, isn't it amazing when Paula is here, how different she is, the comfort that she has, look how relaxed she is, how they get just kept talking about it. And it really is nothing about me because usually I bring more agita to people's life than anything else. But it wasn't me. Do you know what I mean? But I represented Jesus to her. I only brought her comfort because I represented Jesus. I only brought any of them comfort because I represented Jesus. It wasn't anything special about me. And so as they're saying that, they're, so they're watching her and they're saying, look at her, look how peaceful she is, look how happy she is. And then they, they saw that too. They saw that lifting. They saw that looking. And they said, look at her face, look at her face. And I was like, she saw, she's with him. And, and then in that, because of all the other craziness that was going around, because we tell you what, I have a, the family of families. Um, they all said it was God. They all saw God, and that's what I prayed, that they saw God. And my, my niece, that she's a hospice nurse, she said to me, you know, Aunt Paula, she said, I used to think it was morphine. She said, but I don't believe that anymore. It was the power of God. Because my sister literally had enough morphine in her that it should have killed her days way before. She had so much morphine in her, she should have been dead. But it wasn't. It was, it was, and they all kept saying that. It was God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And there was like, all in the same moment, there was just grief and joy mixed together. But, in, but everyone, believe it or not, was praising God because they witnessed that what it was to go in peace and be with the Lord. And so that's all. There's so much more. He has this whole list of miracles that happen. But um, just that. And I want to thank you for your prayers. If, you know, Terry would have thanked you for your prayers. And she knew that many people here were praying for her. So God bless you.
seems so long You feel you're walking on your own There has never been a step But you've walked down all along Troubled soul, don't lose your heart Cause joy and peace he brings And the beauty that's in store How is the hurt of life sting? But I hold on to this hope And the promise that he brings There will be a place with no more suffering There will be a day with no more tears No Second Corinthians chapter 4, we'll bring this down just a hair. You know, that's uh, one of my favorite scriptures is this one here, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known, that one day we're going to see face to face. That's what I look forward to. We, we kind of look through, a, the, the old version calls it through a glass darkly. It's kind of like a mirror through a window that's kind of like you can't really see through. You kind of get a little bit of a picture of, of the face of Jesus. And there's scripture that talks about looking into the face of him and growing and, and being, becoming more like him. Uh, that song that uh, Jeremy Camp wrote, uh, I had thought about that like a week or two before um, I went to California. I, 
and, and it's interesting, I had just forgotten about it. And uh, one of the guys that got up, we had an open sharing time, and one of the guys that got up who I didn't know at all, he got up and quoted all the words for that song. And I go, wow. I didn't know him. He was definitely a believer, and he, and he, he uh, just shared the Lord with these people. It was incredible. It was a tough crowd at this memorial service. They asked me to do it. And I go, oh, man. But uh, his words had a, had a big impact and kind of like opened the whole thing up to really the, the future, really what I want to talk about today, that, that we have hope beyond this life. But, you know, I, I, I debated with myself. Do you ever do that? Debate with yourself? I, I don't know who's going to win this debate. It's either me or me. One of, one of me is going to win. But I debated whether I should go into this and share this and take a Sunday to do this. But you know what? It is so, it is so relevant to every one of us because this is reality. This is truth. That we're all going to face death. That death is true. That it's the great equalizer. Somebody wrote this because regardless of your income, your nationality, your sex, your age, or any other factor, every human, be- human being still has that one thing in common. We all die. Every single one of us. That's our, that's our common denominator in this life. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, all share a common destiny. Speaking about the fact that we're going to die. Say, so, well, he's kind of morose. Why are you going to talk about all this? Because, because for me, what Paul has shared about and what, what I believe the Bible declares is the hope that we have as believers. That, that we have a hope beyond this life. That doesn't mean we don't struggle, we don't suffer, because we do. I do. But we're going to die, and we need to know that. We need to realize that. We need to be prepared for it. There was a guy named Philip of Macedon, and he was the father of Alexander the Great. You've heard of him, I'm sure. But he actually commissioned one of his servants to stand in his presence each day, it says, and say this to him, Philip, you will die. You want to be reminded of that every single day. You will die. We're all going to face that. We don't know when. It's in God's time. One of the Psalms that she spoke about, actually Psalm 31 uh, was the fact that uh, David says, you know, my times are in your hand. My time is in God's hands. I don't set the time. I don't, you know, when we start to play around and play, play God is what we do. And, and, and people do that. You know, it's some horrible things that happen in this world. Abortion being one of them. When we play God and, and we, we take it into our own hands, horrible, horrible there was another guy, France, Louis, uh, Francis uh, King Louis Fourteenth. He decreed that the word death would not be uttered in his presence. We can do that too. We can pretend it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to come. But you know what? It is going to come. It has to come. It's reality. It's the truth. Psalm 90, the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, it's reality. This is the truth. This is what's coming. Sometimes it feels that way, though, doesn't it? That their span is but trouble and sorrow. You ever feel that way? 
But really, compared to eternity, it's just a drop in the bucket. It's just a a blip on the screen compared to eternity. So you and I need to keep this in mind. And it's something that we all face, that the people around us, our family members, the, the, the people we work with, the people we share lives with, we are all going to die. We need to be ready for this. You know, you see it all over the TV. You know, you've got to be ready for retirement. You know, they got the guy with the big, big giant screen that rolls down and they had big question on there. And Bronson, I think it's Bronson or somebody. Help me out here. Like, he's just a guy that went around shooting everybody up. Like, and now you're telling people to be ready for retirement. What he needs to be telling people is you need to be ready to face what's beyond this life. You and I need to be ready to face what comes when we die. That there is hope beyond this life. I read a quote um, by Steve Jobs, and it said that this is some years back. He died in, what, uh, 2011, I think. But um, back in 2005, he gave a commencement speech at Stanford. And he said this, very interesting. He said, no one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. He said, and yet, death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. Now, he had, he had realized that he had cancer. He'd been treated, and he had been, you know, declared cancer-free at that point in time, but then, you know, a number of years later. I don't know what happened to Steve Jobs. I, I, none of us, unless we were there at that moment in time and, and, and could see, none of us know. He didn't profess any faith in Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that, though, in a little bit. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 16 and following. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Let me read that again. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What you and I see here now, this is just temporary. But what's beyond this is eternal. And that's what we need to understand. That's what we need to a trust that, that we will see Jesus face to face. But look at the next verse in chapter 5. He says, now we know that, the, that if the earthly tent, speaking about the body, our body, our physical bodies, is destroyed, that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Jump down to verse 4. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I love that. What is mortal may be swallowed up by life. But until that time, we've got this mourning, this groaning in this mortal body. Uh, you know, the older you get, the more groaning you do. Have you noticed that? Oh, you know, just getting out of bed. Oh, 
you know, just getting up, you, you drop something on the floor and you, how am I going to, oh, I got to get back up. I do that and I'm only like 39. And, and it's like unbelievable. But this groaning that, you know, how long do I got to put up with this stuff? And, and not just the physical stuff, but the emotional and the, the, the you know, psychological and the spiritual groaning that we do. You know, God, I, I really, I'm having a hard time here. I want to I wanna go home, but I know you don't want me to go home yet, but I'm going to hold on to you like he sang in the song. Until we get to that day, there will come a day. But until then, we hold on. Until then, we keep our eyes, he says there, to fix our eyes on what is unseen, not on what is seen. If we only look at this life and, and the suffering and the trials and the troubles, it, it's, we're, all we're going to be is depressed. All we're going to be is, is, you know, it's horrible. But we have the hope. Again, Death is, not, death is not the end. We have a hope beyond this life. And there's only one way to have that hope. I have to make that so clear. You know, speaking to that crowd of people that, that were there, it was, it was standing room only. There were some 300 people that showed up. She had touched so many people's lives. But... But, you know, you can talk about this, and, and I, I see this kind of common now. Oh, you know, they're in a better place. You know, everybody says that, even if they don't have a clue what that means. They're in a better place. Well, are they? And what, what makes the difference? What gets us to that place? As I said to them there, it's not automatic. It's not that everybody is going to go to heaven because that's just what happens. The Bible, who, the Bible which declares to us what heaven is about, makes it very clear that there's a way to get to heaven. And Jesus said that he was the way and no one is going to get there apart from him. There's only one way to get to heaven. Now, Terry had that hope. And you and I can, too. We're going to have communion in just a couple of minutes here. And this hope that we have, it's found in Jesus Christ in the cross and in the resurrection. In the cross and in the resurrection. That Jesus died upon the cross. He paid for our sins. That he rose from the dead, defeating death. And as you and I believe and as we trust in what he did, we can live forever beyond this life. But it's not automatic. I, I can't make that any clearer. It's not automatic that no matter who you are, no matter what your situation. No, it. It, it, it's based upon faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Hebrews chapter 2. Why don't you turn with me there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Back near the back just before the book of James. Hebrews chapter 2. Verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> He says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that is Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. See, that's what Paula talked about, this fear of death. Even though she knew she trusted in Jesus, there was still a fear that was trying to you know, hold on to her. 
Look back to verse 9 there in that same chapter, Hebrews chapter 2. It says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. That doesn't mean that everyone is saved. That means that he makes it available to everyone. The provision is there for everyone, for all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. One last passage I want you to turn back to is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection, resurrection chapter. But he speaks so much in that chapter about death. But he speaks about it in terms of victory over death. Look at verse 26. I, I asked one of my grandkids just to see what they would say. I said, do you know who the last enemy is? And she said, Satan? <laughs> I said, well, he is an enemy, but he's not the last enemy. Look what it says here in verse 26. It says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. There's two things that you and I face. It's sin and death. And Jesus through the cross and the resurrection. Look to the end of that chapter where he sums it all up and starting in, in verse uh, 54. He says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way to get that victory. There's only one way to have that hope. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we must receive a gift. It's a free gift that he's offering, but we must receive it. Greg Laurie, uh, he wrote an article about death being the great equalizer. He said, death is the great equalizer. He said, it is no respecter of persons. It comes to everyone. And according to the Bible, after death, there are two destinations. You decide now, not later, not after death, which destination it will be. You decide where you will spend eternity. And he said, the two options are heaven or hell. Very direct, isn't it? I think we have to be clear. We have to be direct. I think we have to make it as clear as we possibly can because there's so much of this like vague, you know, we're all going to get there and we, there's many paths that lead to heaven and we're all going to, you know, no, 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 no. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you haven't made that decision yet. Maybe you're still thinking, I'm going to get there one way or another. No, there's one way, all right, but not another. Right. I'm going to get there one way, and that one way is Jesus. So before we partake in communion, which we're going to do right now, I want to, I want to give you an invitation. I want to give you an invitation to trust the Savior, that it is up to you, that you do make a decision where you will spend eternity. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes, whoever trusts, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved.
And you can open your heart right here, right now. Every one of us can. Every one of, every one of us must do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 later, he says, you know, to, to be reconciled with God. And basically what he's saying is you need to get right with God. And he says, you know, we are ambassadors that we let people know you, don't, you need to be right with God before you die. You need to be right with God. So we're going to pray right now. And maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you need to, to say that prayer. Or maybe there's somebody in your life that, that you know needs to know they need to be right with God. And there's only one way to be right with God. It's through Jesus, the Savior. Pretty relevant, isn't it? Fear, this whole fear thing, fear of, of, fear of death or fear of talking to somebody about death. Fear of telling them that Jesus said, I love you. I came for you. I came and died for you. I rose from the dead. Fear to let them know that there's hope beyond this life. We can't let fear stop us. You know, I'm talking to my, my parents. We got some time to see my parents too. My mom is 92. She passed the 80 thing that Moses talked about in Psalm 90. And she's taken a turn. I could see it. I saw her in, in December and she's taken a real turn. But I've talked to her before about this. I said, Mom, you got to be ready for heaven. You need to be ready for heaven. And I, and I asked her again, are you ready for heaven? I asked my dad. He's, he's 80... Uh, Something, 84. And I said, are you, are you, I said, we got to be ready for heaven, you know, Dad. Because none of us know the time. None of us know the day. None of us know the hour. But I said, you know, it's just through Jesus is the only way. It's the only hope we have that he died for us. And he says, I know, son. I know, son. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, we thank you as we... As we think about the great gift of hope that you gave to us, the, the gift of your son Jesus, that you so loved the world, that you desire every one of us to be with you in heaven forever and ever. That you gave your only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life in heaven forever and ever and ever. And we will see you face to face. And so, Lord, for those of us that have already made that decision, we've humbled ourselves, we've put our pride aside and said, okay, I'm, 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 pretty much, I'm pretty much done trying to get there on my own. And so I trust the Savior. Those of us who have already made that decision, Lord, we thank you and we, we thank you and we look forward. We do groan, but we thank you for the hope that we have, the future that you have marked out for us. Lord, I pray here as well for those that maybe are still have been thinking about it and fighting it even, saying, I don't know. I pray for them today, Lord, that they would, they would recognize the Savior that, that Jesus came and gave his life. There's no other person that came and gave his life for the sin of the world. There's no other person that came and, and rose from the dead, defeating death. And when we reject and when we... When we walk away from that truth it's, it's, uh, it's horrible but to come to you and say Jesus 
You can simply say it in your heart right now to him, Jesus, I, I come to you. I, I trust in what you did for me. I thank you for that gift. I receive it. I believe in the cross and the resurrection. In Jesus' name. I'm going to do one more thing that's kind of out of the, out of the ordinary today and uh, makes me very nervous, but I'm going to sing a song for you. And this is a song that, um, that I wrote for Terry and Ed for their wedding. Back in 1977, before Paul and I were even married, we, we had met and she had introduced me and, and uh, they asked... I don't know how even, I can't remember that far back. I can't remember hardly yesterday, especially with jet lag. But um, I wrote this song, and it's really a prayer. It was a prayer for their wedding, a prayer for their lives. And, and uh, I'm going to sing the song, and then, and then um, you can uh, go and get the communion uh, back on the table there and, and partake, and then we'll close with a, a worship song. But... Uh, this song is a prayer because really it's a prayer for us as well as a prayer for their wedding. And uh, I've had to like lower the key because I can't sing the same uh, as high as I used to back in 1977. <laughs> and that is funny. Show your love and show your care. 
Let us listen, let us hear Without doubt and without fear Be our father, be our friend Life with you can never end So here we are, Lord Sitting at your feet We ask you now To make this day complete say you'll stay we ask you Lord keep our love brand new and all that we go through we ask you Lord. 